Thanks, Tom. Good morning. My name is Steve Blummer. I'm the pastor of Family and Adults here at Hope Chapel. It's good to be with you this morning as Pastor Neil is in Worcester with the Church on Seven Hills. So before we get into today's message, I, I got a couple disclaimers. If the word stupid bothers you, I'm really, really sorry because I'm going to say stupid a lot. All right. And I don't say it because I'm stupid. Okay, no one bought back on that one. I'm not saying because I'm trying to be cool or anything. I'm saying it because it's in the Bible. And every week we look, we look at the Bible, and that's what's fascinating and intriguing and, and engaging about the Bible is because it's entertaining in its stories. It's really interesting in how it reveals facts and how it approaches topics. Um, this past week I was reading in 2 Samuel chapter 21, and all it says was that there was a giant with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. He had 24 appendages in all, and then David's nephew killed the giant. End of story. I'm intrigued. I want to know more about this giant who's got six fingers on his hands. I'm more intrigued about this battle between David's nephew and the giant. And these things we see in the Bible, the Bible is not boring. These are the things that we kind of dream up and to create Netflix originals. But here they are. They've been around for centuries in the Bible. And the word stupid comes from our study in the book of Proverbs. We've been looking at Proverbs since the week after Easter. We'll be looking through Proverbs probably through a portion of the summer. But that's where we find this kind of idea of stupid. Because there's a guy in here who says, I'm the stupidest man on earth. I'm the stupidest man on earth. Now, if you don't normally like to listen to advice from stupid people, now may be your opportunity to leave. Because our tendency, right, we don't go, um, you, uh, I need to ask you some advice. You look like you're pretty stupid. <laughs> right? We don't, we don't do that. We, we go to people and say, I, got some, I need some, to talk to you about some things in my life. I, I, I read books from people that I respect. I listen to, to TED Talks or whatever because these people have experience. They've made more wise decisions than poor decisions in life. That's who I want to listen to. But today's message in Proverbs, we love reading Proverbs because it comes from a guy named Solomon who received this direct wisdom from God. He was known as the wisest guy on earth. Comes this idiot, really, this guy who says, I'm the stupidest guy on earth, and I want to share you a little bit of wisdom. So that's what we're going to look at today in Proverbs chapter 30. If you've got your Bible, I encourage you to open to Proverbs chapter 30, whether you got that on your phone or your tablet or you bring one of those Egyptian paper copies. If, if, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the chair in front of you or underneath you, and this is on page 558. We're just going to go right through the entire chapter, so I encourage you to take your notes, take your pen, and let's just kind of jump right into it, okay? Agar is really going to share with us a personal prayer request He's going to give us two facts about life, and then he's going to share two steps towards success. All right? Let's jump into it. Proverbs chapter 30, starting in verse 1. The words of Agar, son of Jaca, the oracle, the man's oration to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukal. I am more stupid than any other man. And here he's referring to humanity. Women don't kind of get out on that, like, yeah, of course, you know, all men are stupid. And uh, so that excludes me. He's saying, I'm more stupid than any other human being. 
I lack human beings' ability to understand. He's comparing himself with, I'm more like an animal. I'm just a brute animal. I'm really dumb. I have not gained wisdom, and I have no knowledge of the Holy One. So I want to stop right there and say, who is this agar that he's here in the book of Proverbs? And when we start looking at it, there's not a lot of detail into who this guy is. Now, verse 1, we have to understand that it's a very hard verse to translate and to interpret from the Hebrew, the original language. Even the Hebrew is not quite sure what was meant because some words carry a double meaning. Sometimes nouns and verbs are used to uh, give someone a proper name, a pronoun. And so we see an example of this in Genesis, in Adam. Adam comes from the word ground, signifying that God had created Adam, Adam, from the ground, the dust, Adama. All right? So in verse 1, we have these words that are kind of, well, what are, what's he trying to say? We have this oracle. We have Ithiel, Ithiel, and Ukau. Is he writing to the University of California? No. But so what are these words? What do they mean? Some commentators and translators think this second phrase in verse 1, to Ithiel, Ithiel, and Ukau, really mean, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Here's Agar, made so many stupid decisions in his life, said so many stupid things. He says, I am worn out. I am weary from being so stupid, right? He's so exhausted from doing stupid, stupid, stupid things. When I was in college and seminary, I may have mentioned before I worked at this grocery store, And uh, one day I was changing out the razor blade in my utility knife because I was cutting open boxes, stocking shelves. But I was talking to a coworker at the time. And for some reason, this razor blade was just not going in the utility knife the way it was supposed to. But instead of kind of taking the time and figuring out what's going on, I'm talking to my coworker and I just started jamming on it even more. Next thing I know, sliced right through my palm and, oh, that's not good. And it required six stitches. But it was like those slow-mo things, like I'm slicing it through, and I'm thinking, stupid, stupid, (laughs) stupid. Why would I do something like that? Why why, why was I jamming on it? And so I've certainly made other stupid decisions in my life. And when you make stupid decisions in your life, when you say stupid things, when you do stupid things, it makes life more frustrating. It makes life more exhausting. I can understand where Agar is saying, I am weary, oh God. I am weary, oh God. I am worn out. Stop letting me make stupid decisions. I'm tired of being stupid. Agar, his name itself means gatherer. He probably worked on a farm or he's just busy going in the woods and gathering things just to make it by. We see that he's the son of Jaka, whoever that is. But the word Jaka means blameless. He's almost saying, I'm the son of blameless. You can't blame my father. He's not the reason that I'm stupid. He probably taught me everything that I needed to know, but I didn't listen. I wanted to do things my way, so don't blame my father. It was me. It's my fault. But the word oracle in the first phrase of verse 1, I think, is the key to understand who Agar is, the word oracle. Because there's already another word oracle or oronation in verse 1. Why would they repeat it twice? And if we see oracle describing more of a place or a tribe, the word is Massa. 
And I think this is key. I don't want to lose you right away here. This word massa. Because some people think that Agar is from Israel, God's chosen race. Because he talks about God here in a little bit. We'll get to that in just a second. But if this means Massa as a tribe, then that means he is a son or a descendant of Ishmael. If you don't know who Ishmael, Ishmael was like the illegitimate son of Abraham. God said, I'm going to make you my chosen people. I'm going to give you a large family. Abraham and his wife had no kids, and they got kind of impatient waiting on God's plan. And so Abraham's wife says, maybe God's plan is supposed to start through my servant. So here, sleep with my servant. They have a child named Ishmael. Abraham's wife resents the woman, resents the child, and says, I don't want them around. So Abraham sends Ishmael and his mother to wander the earth. They are not a part of God's chosen race. And I think that's who's speaking here. It makes a little bit more sense when he says, I have no knowledge of God. If he was from Israel, that's a pretty sad statement for the spiritual state of Israel, that he didn't have any knowledge of God. It was a great time in history where people were worshiping God and connecting with God, following King David. So it makes more sense that he was from the tribe or lineage of Ishmael, not a part of God's chosen people. And I think that has significant value for you and I today. Because before we meet Jesus Christ, we are called strangers and aliens to God's people. And it's only through Jesus Christ, when we accept Jesus Christ, that we become his adopted sons and daughters. So I think we can relate to Agar on many, many different levels. He's saying that this is someone who was not a part of God's chosen race, part of God's chosen plan, but now he is brought into God's chosen people. He has no knowledge of God, but he learns some things about God, as we're going to see. God did not leave man to decay in their stupidity. In the New Testament, we see that Apostle Paul says that God has clearly made himself evident in creation and even when and where you and I live. He did those things because he was hoping that we would reach out to him and reaching out to him, we would find him because he is never far from each one of us. God does not leave us in our stupidity. God's wisdom is not tied up in some kind of secret society or secret people. God's wisdom is not just for kings and nobles. God's wisdom is not just for those who were somehow brought up in the church and they know about God. Wisdom is available to everyone. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he will freely give it to you. And Agur says, I'm a testament to that. Agur saying... You know, the 29 other chapters in Proverbs that we've been looking at talks about getting wisdom. Get wisdom, however you can get wisdom. Don't be the fool. Don't be the inexperienced. Don't be the young. Don't be the naive. And he's saying, I was the fool, the inexperienced, the naive, the young in the first 29 chapters. But I'm going to share with you my testimony of change. There's hope for every fool here. There's hope for everybody who's done stupid things. There's hope for every person who is naive and young and inexperienced. So I'm really intrigued on what does this person, Agur, have to say, knowing a little bit more of who he is. So he shares his own personal testimony here in verses 4 through 6. Or excuse me, we're not there yet. 
4 through 6 says, Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his hands? Who has bound up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is the name of his son? If you know, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Don't add to his words or he will rebuke you or you will be proved a liar. So Agur here claims admission to God's existence, his majesty, and his trustworthy word. He's admittance to God's existence, his majesty, and his trustworthy word. Here's a guy who says, I have no knowledge of the Holy One. But he begins to have some experience of the Holy One. He knows that there's an existence of a higher power than, than him. You know, he gives us the kind of this riddle. And this riddle here isn't like a, a riddle that requires an, a trick answer. He's saying, who, who is this person? Who has gone up to heaven? Who can do these things? The thing is, it's not you and it's not me. We have no ability to really know what's going on up there and what's going on in the world. We can't even keep control of our own lives. We think that we're in control, but we have no control over these consequences. If we could control our own life, that would even be amazing, but we don't have any control. So there's someone smarter than we are. There's someone who's higher than we are. And I'm beginning to learn a little bit about the Holy One. He's the only one who knows what's going on in, the, in heavens and in earth. He's the only one that can control the unseen forces like the wind. He's the only one that can cause it to rain out of this, this cloud. You and I can gather water in a cup or in a bowl, but have you ever tried to scoop up water in a piece of fabric or a cloth? You can't do that, but somehow he can. He can hold up water in the sky. God is amazing. Who do we even think we are? He comes to this awareness of God's existence. And coming to an aware of God's existence leads him to want to know God a little bit more. He says, who can, who can know God? How can I know him more? How can I know the name of his son? And the answer is, we all can. We all can know God's name. We all can know the name of his son because he's given us his word. And he says, every word of God is pure. It's pure. It's good. It's clean. It's trustworthy. It's comforting. It's a shield to protect us if we would only allow a God to protect us, to find security in it. You know, we can't approach God's word and say, I like this. I don't really like that. Or I like this. And I, I've heard this from somebody else. I'm going to kind of squeeze it in to what I think God should be like. That, that's, we can't do that. We can't add to God's word. When we start doing that, we realize that's wrong. And we, we show ourselves to be fools and ridiculed and rebuked. I tell my kids, you wouldn't get in trouble if you just did what I asked. And God's saying, your life would be a whole lot easier if you just did what I said. And so Hagar says, I get it. I get it. I'm reading God's word and I'm saying, that's good. I wish I knew that earlier when I was making so many stupid decisions, so many stupid choices, saying so many stupid things. It's so good. It's so pure. And then Agar goes into this kind of personal prayer request. Verse 7. Two things I ask of you. Don't deny them to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Neither give me poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. 
Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, Who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God. Don't slander a servant to his master, or he will curse you, and you will become guilty. Agar's personal prayer request is having enough to hold on to faith. Having enough to hold on to faith. Agar looks at really his past stupidity, his, his past stupid decisions, and he says, I have no knowledge of God, and I'm gaining a little bit of knowledge of God, and if I could ask something from God, this is what I would ask for. Solomon, when he was becoming king, had an opportunity to ask something from God, and he asked him for wisdom. And Agar's saying, I think asking for wisdom is just too lofty for even me. All I'm asking for is just to have enough to get by, but not too much to where I deny you. He's saying, I don't want to be tempted to lie and to cheat and to push people around just to make it in life. I don't want to live like that. I've lived like that before. My wife and I, many of you know, we have two kids who are fostering to adopt. They'll be uh, siblings to the son we have adopted. We have four kids. And even in our training, they talk about how you get these kids and they eat everything and anything in sight. They have no idea what feeling full feels like. These kids will start stealing food out of the cabinet and hiding it in their room because they have no idea. It doesn't make sense. There's going to be food coming tomorrow? And the actor's saying, I don't want to live like that. I'll be honest. I don't want to have to lie and to cheat and steal and to defame your name in order to get by. So, God, could you just give me a little bit? But I also know that if you would give me extreme wealth, I would probably just run crazy and enjoy life to its fullest and almost neglect you and almost forget that I had a need for you. I would say, you know what? This week was pretty good. I don't need to go to church. I'm doing all right. And in fact, the week before that, that was pretty good. I had a lot of fun. And the week before that, we did this. It was great. I don't even need God. What's the point of God? What's the point of church? And he says, I don't want to do that either. I want to have to need God. I want to hold on to my faith. I remember what life was like without the knowledge of God. I don't want to do that anymore. So God, don't give me too much to where I forget about you. I want to hold on to my faith. And I think that's a really good, honest prayer request. I don't think there's any of us here that would say, I want to be poor. I love being poor. It's great. I love having my faith challenged hour by hour. I love praying every day and seeing how God can provide food for me. I don't think we ask that. We don't want that. And it's not even a a prerequisite towards righteousness. And so I think it's a good, noble, honest prayer. God, just give me enough that I can feel safe and secure and provided for, but don't give me too much where I forget about you. What would be your prayer request if you had the opportunity? All right, so then he begins into his wisdom. Verse 11. There's a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Generation here is a word for like a people group, 
Right? There, there's, there's a bunch of people that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There's a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filth. There's a generation how haughty its eyes and pretentious its looks. There's a generation whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, devouring the oppressed from the land and the needy from among mankind. The leech has two daughters. Give, give. Three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. So this, this idea of two, three, four, we see this sometimes, you know, uh, f- five things, six things, seven things God hates. He's saying, oh, there's three things that, no, I can think of four. I, I can probably think of a bunch of things. I'm just going to give you a few, all right? That's what he's saying here. There's two things that the leech wants. Give, give. Three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. Here's the four. Sheol, the grave, death, a childless womb, earth, which is never satisfied with water, and fire, which never says enough. As for the eye that ridicules a father and despises obedience to his mother, may the ravens of the valley pluck it out and young vultures eat it. Yikes. So here's his fact of life, number one. Some people just don't get it. Some people don't get it. There's some people that you can teach and preach and encourage and provide them all the resources necessary to succeed, and they just don't get it. They're a fool. They're stupid. They're rebellious. They're prideful. They look down on other people. Who do you think you are? They don't have a problem cutting you down with your words. They don't care that your life is tough. They've got a tough life, too. There's just some bad people in this world. You know, we can't even uh, teach our kids that, you know, you can go out wherever you want and just make sure you're home when the lights on the street turn on. We've got to teach our kids about stranger danger. Some guy driving around in Clinton asking kids to come swim in his pool. What's up with that? Right? We've got to teach our kids about this stranger danger. We don't even allow our kids to go over to our friend's house for sleepovers anymore because you just don't know. There's bad people in this world. And Agra says these types of people, these type of people that just can't live peacefully and appropriately with one another, they're like the leech. They've got suckers on both ends and they're just, they're just taking and taking. They never have enough. They want more and more and more. They want what you have. They don't like you if you've got something that they want and they don't have. They just take and take like death, like the grave. When, when does the grave have enough? Why, why is it not full? It's like the childless womb. And this is a womb that's had kids after kids after kids. It's always wanting more kids. How many kids is enough? I can give you my opinion. But it's like the earth and the water and the rain and the rivers. Is it, is it ever like, I'm not thirsty anymore? The fire, if you keep giving it stuff to burn, it always keeps consuming. There's just some people that are never satisfied. They never have enough. Do they live like the fool? Yes. Are they stupid? Absolutely. Do they cause harm and hurt? Yes. Can you help them change? Probably not. Probably not. We wish we could. We pray for them. 
We wish the best for them, but they just won't get it. They just won't stop. And Agar says, I wish they would be left in the desert to die and the vultures pluck their eyes out. If you thought the Bible was about love and unicorns, I just exploded your mind, right? He's saying, I, I just wish judgment would come on them. I, I, I wish the best for them, but I know it's not going to happen. So I just kind of wish that judgment would come so they stop hurting people. I wish they would, they would, just, I wish they would just die. And I, and I wish that the, the judgment would be harsh on them, that they wouldn't get a proper burial. Because there's some people who just don't get it. Fact of life number two. Verse 18. Three things are beyond me. Four I can't understand. The way of an eagle, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship at sea, the way of a man with a young woman. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done nothing wrong. I'm going to continue. The earth trembles under three things. It cannot bear under four. A servant that becomes a king, a fool that is stuffed with food, an unloved woman when she marries, and a servant girl when she ousts her queen. So life, uh, fact of life number two, some things just don't make sense. There's some people who just don't get it, and there's some situations that don't make sense. They're beyond our capability of understanding why or how these things happen. The phrase, the the earth trembles there, uh, describes the earth shaking either with fear or with excitement. He's saying there's just some things that happen. It doesn't make sense. It even makes the earth scared or it makes the earth kind of filled with excitement. Sometimes I can't really explain why the eagle flies in the sky, the pattern that it takes. I can't really explain how a snake can move on a rock. It just looks like it's wiggling back and forth. I can't really explain how a ship is at sea and how it stays afloat. You can give me all the science that you, that you could tell me how it works, but it's still fascinating that it does that. And then you have a man with a young woman. It doesn't even make sense how a guy can become so stupid when he encounters a young woman, right? I can't explain it, but I can tell you that it happens all the time. Things, some things just don't make sense. And sometimes it's on the other side where it's a benefit to you. There's, there's a, a way that a servant can become a king. That's not normal, but it's awesome to see that. You know, you could be the class clown. And then one day, own your own business or be a CEO of a major corporation. That doesn't make sense, but it's awesome. There's a king that will ditch its queen for the servant girl. Not so good for the queen, but if you're the servant girl, score for you, right? The king just ousts the queen for a downgrade, basically. It happens. It happens. The woman who is unloved gets married. I don't know why she's unloved. Maybe she's ugly. I don't know. But she finds true love and gets married. There's somebody for everybody. It doesn't make sense. Go figure. It's beyond our understanding. Don't beat yourself up trying to make sense of things in this world that don't make sense. All right. Those are his facts about life. Let's get to his pieces of wisdom. 
Verse 24. Four things are small, four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. The ants are not a strong people, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are not a mighty people, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. Locusts have no king, yet all of them march in ranks. A lizard cannot be caught in your hands, yet it lives in king's palaces. Three things are stately in their pride, even four are stately in their walk. A lion, which is mightiest among beasts, and doesn't retreat before anything, a strutting rooster, a goat, and a king at the head of his army. So a step towards success, number one, is be confident where you are smart. Be confident where you are smart. If you want to be successful, you've got to be confident where you are smart. You can't be good at everything. You can't be smart at everything. In fact, if we look at the ant, we looked at the ant a couple weeks ago, that's not a very strong people, but it knows how to get the job done in the appropriate amount of time. Hyraxes, these kind of medium-sized rock badgers, I didn't really know a lot about them. They're kind of a mix between uh, like a pit, a pig and a rat. They're kind of fuzzy, ugly-looking creatures. Look them up online. Not right now. And uh, they got these ugly fang teeth, and it says that their feet stink. They're not the type of person you want around, but they're smart enough to build their home in the rocks. Maybe you're not uh, very smart in some ways, but you're smart in other ways. The locust, they don't have someone telling them what to do, but they can figure out how to get things done together. The lizard, it's not fast enough or wants to get away very quickly, but they're smart enough to be left alone and no one really wants to bother them. So you can't be smart at everything, but you can be smart at something. What are you really smart at? Maybe you're the person that just gets the job done. You're not the boss, but people can count on you. Maybe you're not the most presentable person face-to-face, but you can make a phone call and close a deal. Maybe you're not the fastest person on the job or the sharpest knife in the drawer, as they say, but you know what? You could take the jobs that no one else wants. Maybe you're the type of person that You're not very fast at your job, but you don't need to be micromanaged. You get the job done, and people like having you around. Whatever it is, whatever you're good at, be great at it. And take confidence and pride in it. If you're the best person in the company for that job, don't allow somebody else who thinks they're good at it take it. Take pride and say, no, that's my job. I'm good at it. I'm going to do it. You be like the goat that's on the side of a mountain. You take the job No one else really even wants. No one else wants to hang out on the side of a mountain. But you say, that's my job. And you act like everybody else wanted to be on the side of the mountain. You take pride in it. You take pride. You strut your stuff like the rooster. You walk around like the lion. Yeah, that's me. I'm good at what I do. You're like the king in front of his army. And and for some reason, you think, everyone's here for me. Right? These people, they're, they're, they're my coworkers, but they're here for me. You strut around. Be confident in where you are smart. Step toward success, number one. Number two, last one. Verse 32 and 33. If you've been foolish by exalting yourself or if you've been scheming, put your hand over your mouth. For the churning of milk produces butter, and a twisting a nose draws blood, and stirring up anger produces strife. Step toward success, number two. If you're being stupid, stop it. Being stupid, stop it. Stupid leads to stupid consequences. If you're churning milk, 
you're going to get butter. If you're twisting a nose, not sure what he's referring to. Maybe you just want to say, if you're picking your nose, you're eventually going to have a bloody nose. If you want to be the person that wants to bring up problems all the time and never be a solution, people are going to get mad at you. There's consequences to you being stupid. So stop it. Put your hand over your mouth. Put a fork in your throat. Whatever it takes, just stop being stupid. Just stop it. So that is our advice from Agar the Stupid. His personal prayer request, his two facts about life, his two steps towards success. There's some people who just don't get it. Forget about them. There's some situations that don't make sense. Don't beat yourself up over those things. Don't make life complicated. Keep it simple, stupid, right? And, and figure out where you're good. Figure out what you're good at and just be confident in that. And then if you're doing some stupid things, just stop it. It makes your life more frustrating. It makes your life more exhausting. You don't need any more problems in your life. So just stop it. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame your background. Don't blame your education. Don't blame that you didn't have any knowledge of anything before. Don't blame God. Just move forward and ask God for wisdom. He will freely give it to you. And it will be an amazing testimony. We can say, you know what, one day I was stupid. I made some stupid decisions, but I met God. And my life is now completely different. And I want to share you my story. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is not boring, that it's engaging and it's entertaining, it's intriguing, it's inviting, it's real. We can understand where Agar's coming from that I've made so many stupid decisions in my life. I am weary, oh God, I am weary, oh God, and I am worn out. I don't want to be stupid anymore. Allow me to learn more about you. Allow me to understand how your word is so pure and it's a shield of protection in my life. Allow me to have enough in life to where I can feel safe and secure and I can just focus on the things that you want me to focus on, but don't give me enough to where I completely forget about you. I want to be in your presence. I want to be drawn into your presence and to know you more. God, help me to forget about those people that just don't get it and help me work on myself. Don't allow me to just dwell around the situations that don't make sense and all my energy and and, and time is consumed in those things. Allow me just to push those aside. They don't make sense, but it happens. Oh, well, move forward. Help me to learn where I'm smart and help me succeed where I can succeed. And help me to understand that where I'm being stupid, where I'm saying things that don't need to be said and doing things that don't need to be done, just help me to know that I need to stop it. There are consequences. They are coming. God, we need your help in this journey. We want to be wise, but sometimes we're not. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.